Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Um, I get to share this morning, and, today, and we are in a series right now called Life Hacks. And what Clint has done the last couple of weeks is do like a live demonstration type thing showing a life hack, but I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. I'm going to actually give you a couple tips that I have learned um, as far as like, like money-saving tips, um, just some practical things that I want to tell you about that I've learned. Because quite a few years ago, Clint left the marketplace making a lot of money and then went into ministry and not making as much money, and so I had to make some changes as far as how I spend money. So a couple things that I wanted to tell you about is that how I save money is I buy meat and different types of foods in bulk, and then I freeze them. So then I, I buy them in bulk, and then I package them up in serving sizes or meal sizes, and then I freeze them. And how I freeze them is... Um, usually in Ziploc bags or food saver bags. And I freeze them flat because in the freezer, if you freeze them flat, it saves space. And they also thaw really quickly, a lot quicker if you freeze them flat. And another thing that I have learned is that um, nowadays lunch meat comes in these plastic containers. Um, and then I save those containers and I use those in my freezer, like to freeze soups and um, things like that, some leftovers, and it's just, it saves space in the freezer. Another thing is, is that I've, I make my own laundry soap, and I have tried different recipes online. Some have been good, some not so good. I finally found one that has been really good consistently. So I make my own laundry soap, and just recently, Instead of using dryer sheets, I have started using the wool dryer balls. They're fantastic. So, and I don't have to buy dryer sheets. So these dryer balls will last me five years. They cost me $12. So it's, those are just some tips that I have learned as far as saving money. So the definition of a life hack is an idea a strategy or technique adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities in a more efficient way. So life hacks are helpful, but the truth is, is that spiritual life hacks are even more helpful. They are better than the normal everyday life hack. So today we continue our summer series called Life Hacks, Practical Advice from the Book of James. We're going through the Book of James this summer and just picking it apart and really digging in deep to um, these life hacks, <laughs> what we call life hacks, or practical advice, practical ideas, practical input that James gives us into our lives. So today we're still in chapter 1, and today we're going to be in verses 19 through 27. I know you're at home, so take a minute, go grab your Bible, 
And let's dig in to verses 19 through 27. The title of today's message is Life Hacks, Obedience is Key. And um, let me pray before we jump in to this message. And I'm going to give you a quick heads up. This is a longer message. And so, so get ready <laughs> for the longer message. And um, let's jump in. Let me pray real quick. So Holy Spirit, would you come and just be in the midst of this message that you have given to me. And Lord, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth would be yours, that your truth would be spoken, and that your truth would be heard. God, I pray that you would open ears, that you would open minds, and you would open hearts to receive the truth of your word. And God, I pray that my words would be covered with your grace and your kindness and your love, Lord. We thank you for being here. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to start with verse 19. 19, Verses 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I want to highlight quick to listen, slow to speak, which means be quiet, and slow to become angry. I think we all know that our world is pretty messed up right now. It's pretty chaotic. And people are really struggling (laughs) with these three things. Really struggling with listening, really struggling with being quiet, and really struggling with not being angry. We want to be heard right now. People want to be heard. So people are tweeting, people are all over Facebook, commenting, posting, and it's not all good. People are worked up, and people want to have a voice in what is being done and what is happening around our country specifically. Um, We're pretty unstable right now. There is a lot of stress. There's a lot of frustration, there is fear, there is a lot of anger. And so many people are crossing the line, especially with anger, and are just losing it. But James says, slow down and take things in. And that's really hard to do when you're frustrated, when you're stressed, when you're worried about what's going on. Take time to listen, take time to be quiet, and be careful with the anger. I know as a mom, as a young mom, when my kids were little and they were disobedient, I would get frustrated. (laughs) I would get frustrated. And so, and I am sad to admit that I was a yeller at times, and I had to learn to walk away I had to, I'm, I'm good with listening and I'm good with not speaking, but the anger has been a struggle for me. And so I have learned to just walk away. 
And there have been many times when I've had to go to my children and apologize for responding the way that I did. And so, because um, anger just isn't helpful. It's just not helpful. And there's a lot of anger in our country right now, and actually the world, and it's just not helpful. And it doesn't benefit anyone right now. It's creating chaos. And so, your first life hack, life hack number one, is no response is better than an angry response. And this isn't easy. I have to ad admit, it's not easy to just walk away sometimes. Um, but it's better than responding with anger. Going to verse 21. Therefore, get rid of moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Let's talk about the moral filth. I did a little bit of word study and kind of picked it apart a little bit. And the word moral means the ability to know or sense right and wrong. Basically knowing the difference between right and wrong and understanding it. Filth is something dirty, foul, disgusting, or unclean. And let's put the two together. Moral filth is something that is okay in the world's eyes, but unclean in God's eyes. Something that the world is okay with, but God is not okay with it. That is moral filth. They can't come together. So what are some things in our culture today that are morally filth? Abortion. Our culture today says that abortion is okay. God's not okay with that. Premarital sex. It seems to be common in our culture today, but God says it's not a good idea. Most pornography is legal now. It's not okay with God. Greed and covetousness is okay in the world's eyes. Greed and covetousness, I want this, I want that, and just wanting it all and taking it all. God's not okay because not everything is beneficial to us. Foul language is okay in the world's eyes. We got movies, TV shows, we got video games, we got music. What? <laughs> A lot of those are not okay with God. So, what kind of movies and TV shows are we watching that are not okay with God? What kind of video games are we playing that are not okay with God? What kind of music are we listening to that's not okay with God? So we need to humbly accept the fact that these things need to go. God says, get rid of it. He says, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. He says, get rid of it. The end of verse 21, it says, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Humbly receive the word. I think too many times we approach the word in, um, in a way of talking instead of listening. 
we have an idea in our minds of what we think it should say or what it's going to say when we go to read the Bible. We have an idea of what it, of what it should say. But we need to be open to what the Word actually says and to accept it with humility. I want to focus on the word planted because he says, accept the word planted in you. In Jeremiah verse 31, um, chapter 1, 31, verse 33, it says, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. Listen to this. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. In their minds, which is inside of them, and in their hearts, which is inside of them, he plants it inside them. So when we plant something, we just got through spring, which is planting season for most of us. When we plant something in the ground or in a pot, in the dirt, we want it to become part of the dirt. We want it to become part of the ground. That's the intention. The intention is to plant it so that it can become, be part of the dirt because we want the roots to grow, which they spread into the dirt and they become bigger. They become part of it. Did you know that in the winter, the roots of a plant grow? That's when the roots are growing more than in the summertime. And then in the summertime, the plant grows more than the roots. The growth of the roots is very important so that the plant can grow. And the, the roots are in the ground, and the Word of God is planted in us. It's meant to grow in us. It's meant to grow us up to be more like Him. It's what saves us from becoming like the world. So it's our responsibility to soak in God's word so that we can become more like him, so we, that we can be, grow to be like him. Your second life hack is healthy spiritual growth requires us to pull the weeds. So I'm a gardener, and so in the spring, I prune my plants, the bushes or whatever needs to be pruned, I prune them so that they can grow in the summertime to be healthy. And in the, in the summer, I also spend a lot of time weeding. <laughs> if we don't weed our garden, it's going to push the plants in a way so that they're not going to grow in the way that they're designed to grow. If we don't get rid of the weeds in our lives, if we don't get rid of the moral filth, that God talks about, if we don't get rid of the moral filth in our lives, we're not going to be healthy. And we're not going to grow the way that God designed us to grow. Getting rid of the moral filth is to our benefit. So what do you and I need to get rid of in order to have a healthy relationship with God? What is God telling you to get rid of in your life so that your relationship with him can be more healthy?
Going on to verse 22, 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This section is packed full. (laughs) Of so much. I could do, I could do like three messages just off of this section. It's so full. Um, but let's focus on verse 22. We're just going to pick this apart. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Last week, Clint talked about temptation. And in verse 16, it says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't lie to yourself. When we deceive ourselves, we're lying to ourselves and we're pretending something isn't true. He says, don't deceive yourselves about the truth of God's word. John 8, verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He's talking about Satan here. Satan is the father of lies. When we deceive ourselves, we're believing what Satan is saying. He is the father of lies. And the truth is is that Satan is okay with with us going to church. Satan is okay with us going to a Bible study. But what he is not okay with is us following through and being obedient to what we had just listened to or what we had just learned. He's okay with us going to church and worshiping and hearing the word, and then we leave, and that's it. That's it. Then we go home and we don't do anything with it. We're falling into the trap that Satan puts in front of us. I think so many times we, we go to church and then we check it off the list. Okay, that's done for the week, and now I can go on and do whatever I want to do. That's falling into his trap. But James doesn't stop with telling us to not deceive ourselves. He goes on and says, do what it says. Going back to verse 21, it says, get rid of moral filth. We need to do it. It's called obedience. It's called being obedient to God. That's what Satan doesn't want us to do. We can listen to it. We can know it. But if we don't do it, it doesn't mean anything. We can know what the Bible says all day long, but until we do what it says, it doesn't matter what we know. We can know what the Bible says all day long, but until we do what it says, 
it doesn't matter what we know. Verses 23 and 24. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Reading, listening, and knowing the Bible and not remembering what we learned is just as crazy as not remembering what we look like in the mirror. Because we all look, look in the mirror for a reason, to do our hair, to do our makeup. For men, it's to shave. But we remember, we remember what we look like, right? We should be able to do the same with the Word of God. Spending time in the Bible, we should be able to remember what we had just listened to or what we read. But here's some realistic <laughs> thoughts for you. What I'm saying right now, what I'm teaching right now, most of you will not remember what I said at lunchtime. You'll forget some of what I said by lunchtime. By evening, you'll forget more of what I'm saying. By tomorrow, you're going to remember very little of what I'm saying during this time. It's just reality, right? We go to church, we hear teaching. We go to Bible study, we hear teaching or discussion. We go to a conference. We forget a lot of what was said when we leave. And that's why it's important to take notes so you can remember more of what is said. It's just reality. Have you ever gone into a room planning on doing something, planning to get something, and you walk into the room and you have no idea why you're there? <laughs> I do it all the time. And then you have to go back and retrace your steps and go back like, oh, that's why I'm here. That's what we do as humans. We forget. Verse 25, it says, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Some practical things on how we can remember because in verse 25, he, he again says, not forgetting what they have heard. Some practical things that I've learned for myself is put it on the calendar. And honestly, sometimes I even forget to put it on the calendar. But if I remember to put it on the calendar, it's harder to forget. Write it down. Even my kids know that if they want mom to remember something, to do something, put it on a sticky note, put it on her desk, put it on the kitchen counter so she can remember. Another way to remember, verse 25, it says, but whoever looks intently. Intently means with great effort, attention, or concentration. We need to study 
the Bible. We need to study the Bible. And we need to memorize the Bible. I know so many times, I struggle with memorization. And I know many of us do. We struggle with memorizing the Bible. But the reality is, if I told you that I would give you $1,000 for memorizing this section of Scripture or the first chapter of James, if I told you I would give you $1,000 if you would memorize it this week, would you do it? Would you have the ability to memorize for $1,000? I'm guessing, yeah, most of us would. I would. I would memorize this section of Scripture by the end of the week for $1,000. We all have the ability to memorize Scripture. It's a choice we have to make. We need to talk about the Bible. We need to discuss the Bible. That's where small groups come in. Small groups are powerful. It's a powerful tool to be able to study the Bible with other people. Join a Bible study. And we need to do this on a regular basis. In verse 25 it says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. This is not a one-time thing. This is a consistent, continual thing. We need to stay in the word. Do it on a daily basis and don't stray from it. Keep doing it. And James says, but doing it, doing what God says isn't always easy. It comes with sacrifice. If there's no action, there is no acceptance of the word. In verse 21, it says, accept the word, humbly accept the word that is planted in you. When the truth of God's word is in us, it changes us. Things change around us. Our mindset changes, our heart condition changes, what we do changes. The truth of God's word is powerful. It's life-changing. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock, which is Jesus. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You see, if we only come to church on Sunday and check it off our list and not do anything with the Word of God later throughout the week, and if we aren't obedient to what we learn, to what the Bible says, we're going to crash, we're going to fall, we're going to fail. Verse 26 says, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, which is if you're not obedient, it's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Which when the, when the storms of life come, when the temptation comes, like Clint talked last week, 
it's going to fall, we're going to fall, we're going to crash. Obedience is vital. The end of verse 25, it says, and they will be blessed in what they do. Not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, and they will be blessed in what they do. The blessing of God is based on our obedience. This is what James said. <laughs> I am repeating what James said <laughs> and what Jesus said. Blessing is based on God, on our obedience to God. We've created this picture of Jesus who accepts us where we are, which he does. We've created this picture of obedience being optional because he loves us the way we are. It's an option. He's still going to love me even if I don't do what he wants me to do, what he tells me to do, which is true. He's still going to love you. Us as parents, when our kids are born, we love them unconditionally. It just happens. It naturally happens. God put that in us. I loved my kids before they were born, and I hadn't even met them. But I loved them before they were born, and I have always loved them, and I will always love them. It's the same with our Father God. He loved us and he knew us before we were born. And he still loves us despite the mistakes that we've made, despite the things that he's done. He loves us and accepts us. But us as parents, we want our kids to be obedient, and we still love them when they're not obedient. When they're disobedient, we will love them. But along with disobedience comes discipline. It's the same with God. He loves us because we are his children, but when we are disobedient, he disciplines us. When my kids are obedient, they're all young adults now, so... It's kind of different, <laughs> but when my kids were smaller, when my kids were younger and they were obedient, I wanted to reward them. It brought joy to all of us because that was beneficial to them, and it pleased me when they were obedient because I knew that was, that was what was best for them. It's the same with God. He wants to bless us when we're obedient. He wants to reward us when we're obedient. He doesn't want to discipline us, just like we don't want to discipline our children. He wants to bless us. Blessings come with obedience. I was spending some time with the Lord this morning, and I felt like the Lord said that someone needs to hear that the, our Father God disciplines out of love and not out of anger. He disciplines out of love and not out of anger. He wants to bless you because he loves you. 
It's not a manipulation. It's because he loves you. John 15, verse 14, it says, You are my friends if you do what I command. We are his friends. 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep, do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Jesus is a straight shooter. And he says this because he knows that this is what we need. We need to be obedient to him. Your life hack number three, the blessings of God are directly related to our obedience to him. And the truth is that disobedience equals discipline. The result is discipline from God. I've always told my kids, you don't want a God spanking. You don't want that. Obedience brings blessing. That's what you want. You want the blessing that the Lord has for you. So what area in your life is God telling you to do something? What does God want you to do? What's he asking of you? God is asking one of our kids to do something big. And it's hard. <laughs> it's really scary for this one. But the choice of being obedient is one that will bring blessing and will bring reward. So I'm excited to see what God is going to do with this, with this decision. Obedience isn't always easy. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's scary. But it's necessary. Let's go on to verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Let's sit on. Do not keep a tight rein on their tongues. The King James Version uses the word bridle for tight rein. It uses the word bridle. Keep a bridle on their tongues. When a person uses a bridle on a horse, it's to control the horse. Whether it's, I'm not a horse person, I don't necessarily ride horses, but I know that a bridle is used to control the horse. We are to keep control of our tongue. A person who can rein in their mouth, who can keep a tight rein on their mouth, has a lot of self-control. In Galatians 5, it, it lists all the fruits of the spirits, and one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. We need to have self-control of our tongues. 
At the end of verse 26, it says, their religion is worthless. We need to practice what we preach. So be careful what comes out of your mouth. God says to practice what we preach. Verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We need to walk the talk. This is part of practicing what we preach. We hear the word, let it soak in, and then let's do something with it. Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This phrase ties up this whole section. I think it's pretty cool. When we stay in the word and we stay connected to God and we continually, consistently obey him, when we choose to obey him, it's easier to keep ourselves polluted by the world. It's easier to not be affected by the world. It's easier to cut out those evil desires. It's, a, it's easier to cut things out of our lives that aren't supposed to be there. Stay in the word and stay connected to God, and the obedience will become easier. Life hack number four is we need to walk the talk. God expects us to follow through on what he tells us to do. He expects obedience from us. He wants obedience from us because that is what's best for us. And he wants to bless us. That's the desire of his heart, is he wants to bless us. He doesn't want to discipline. <laughs> Just like I don't want to discipline, I never wanted to discipline my children. It's hard. It's painful. But he wants to bless us, and that comes with obedience. I'm going to call Clint back up, and he's going to close us out. All right. <clears throat> so um, what really stood out to me in this teaching uh, comes from verse 22. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And I think Rose said that in so many ways. There's so much in this section where God is telling us to hold a tight rein on our tongue. You know, all these different things that God is telling us to cleanse ourselves from the world. Guys, we, we can't just forget what was taught to us today. We've got we've to take it, we've got to apply it, and we've got to live it out. I mean, if, if we would all do this, the world would be a much better place, right? I think we all agree on that. Um, we need to be more like Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to ask you all just to close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to pray. And uh, um, we're just going to pray that God would speak to us something that we do need to apply so that we hear it, but we don't forget it, like the person who forgets what they look like in the mirror, that we would actually apply this to our lives today. So if you would just bow your heads and let me pray. So God, I come to you and I thank you for your word, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would not be just hearers of your word. This, this section of scripture is tough. This whole book is tough. But God, I pray that we would apply it. So Lord, right now, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Many of us who are listening today, we have already heard from you, God, an area in our life that we need to work on, our anger or being quiet or uh, just being kind with our words, whatever it might be. But God, I pray that the rest of us who may not have heard that, I pray that you speak to us right now, God. 
that we would hear from you, that your Holy Spirit would be active even now as we watch this video. And you would point out an area in our life that we need to change, God, change for the better. And Lord, I pray that we would be intentional about it, that we'd write it down, that we'd make a plan, that we put it on the calendar, that we wouldn't just listen to the word and then walk away um, and for the rest of our day. God, continue to change us, continue to mold us, continue to make us more like your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we were able to watch this together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you guys so much for watching us, uh, watching with us today. And uh, we look forward to joining you online again next week on Father's Day. And then we'll join together in person on the 28th. Until then, have a great week. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.